people think that when you're an entertainer, you maybe put an ad in the yellow pages and then that's it. But really, you have to learn all the same stuff that anyone else does, branding and pricing and positioning. We both hated the idea of getting on sales calls and having to be salesy. And we both stumbled across email. And so we got good at email because that's all there really was. The reason we're here having this conversation on this podcast today is because I think we're in a world where a bunch of people who don't want to just keep filling the plate. So put a slice of that in for taking some time off and and having meaningful relationships and doing the things you want to do and the reason yet you're in this game of being an entrepreneur anyway. We still perform, travel all over the world performing our shows because we love doing that. And partly because of the whole point of this podcast is that we've built our business to give us the freedom and flexibility to be able to have great businesses, make great money, but also be able to travel the world and earn money from performing, which is the thing that we would both feel a bit empty if we lost that from our lives. Welcome to De-Stress Your Business, the podcast where we show you how to get incredible results in your business without the constant stress. I'm Alexis Kingsbury, a serial entrepreneur and founder at Air Manual. Now, I find marketing actually pretty stressful and it's hard to know what your audience are thinking and what to put out there to attract them towards providing contact details and then even harder to nurture and convert them into customers without ever talking to them. Yet that's what great email marketing does. However, perhaps email marketing is just a numbers game. Get loads of subscribers, accept very weak open rates, get a few clicks and you get there eventually, maybe. Or perhaps we can find a different approach. That's what happened when a comedy hypnotist and a psychological mind reader turned their skills to email marketing. Rob and Kennedy, the email marketing heroes, have flipped the script on traditional email marketing approaches and leverage what they call psych sequencing to understand the audience and make emails resonate deeply with subscribers. So whether you're struggling with stale templates or tired formulas, Rob and Kendi will share their unique insights to help you mind read your audience and craft emails that not only get opened, but also build long lasting relationships. So if you're tired of sending emails that fall flat and you really want to connect with the audience, don't miss this episode. Uh, Ron, uh, Rob Kennedy, welcome to the show. Mine, Hello. That, sound, that sounds bloody good, doesn't it? I'm looking forward to this myself. It sounds really good. <laughs> well, let, let's start with um, telling us a bit about how a hypnotist and a psychological mind reader ended up in the world of email marketing. Yeah, and we'll keep this mercifully brief. We don't need to spend the next 40 minutes telling you how brilliant we are and then three minutes of content pinned on the end for you. Um, so I'm Rob with the red hair, Arthur Rob, Arthur Red. That's the only clue you get. Kennedy is the... Uh, um, uh, really attractive, really funny one. <laughs> the, the other one. We'll say Kennedy's the other one. Um, Comedy we've Kennedy. Been friends, we've been friends for about 20 years and um, we met at a magician's convention of all places, a conference for magicians and entertainer folk. And uh, that was it. We were both sort of, I was a kid out of school. He was a kid out of university. We'd both just set up these businesses running as entertainers. And because people think that when you're an entertainer, you maybe put an ad in the yellow pages and then that's it. But really you have to learn all the same stuff that anyone else does. All you want to do is go out and mm. do the thing you're good at. Um, but we also had to learn about branding and pricing and positioning and all of that stuff. And 
we both hated the idea of like getting on sales calls and having to be salesy. And we both stumbled across email. Now to put this into context, this would have been in about 2004, 2005. So email marketing was in its absolute infancy. There were only two or three email marketing platforms on the market, which is insane now when you look at the hundreds that there, there now are. Um, yeah. The tech was quite basic. You could collect subscribers, you could send them emails, you could merge their names in. That felt like witchcraft at the time. That was fire to a caveman <laughs> stuff. Um, and that was very, and you could have like, you know, very linear sequences of follow-up emails. Uh, MySpace was the only social media platform. Um, it was it was really in all its infancy. And so because MySpace wasn't really massively being used in a business sense, people hadn't figured out how to, marketers hadn't figured out how to break MySpace at the time. So like email was the only marketing channel really available to us, given that putting videos on the internet was hard. Webinars weren't really a thing. This is the day of the tele-seminar. Um, and so like, this was like a totally different world from where we are now. And so we got good at email because that's all there really was. It was either emails or selling face to face, like with your briefcase and the pursuit of happiness. So that was why we got good at email marketing. And we were both doing it independently. I was doing it for my stuff. Kennedy was doing it for his stuff. And we ended up getting noticed by other entertainers who noticed that we were very busy because we were, um, you know, meeting at conventions and talking about what we were up to, but also knew that we were charging quite a lot of money. We were premium priced in the market of entertainment. That's a thing. And so what happened was they started asking us how we were doing it. And independently, Kennedy started coaching other entertainers in building their business with with marketing. Right. And I was coaching specifically hypnotists, both stage and hypnotherapists, in how to build their business with this email marketing thing. Fast forward a long, 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 long time. We started a different business together. And eventually we were look, just moving towards, we were continually just constantly swapping ideas and frameworks for email that was, you know, psychologically stacked emails that we were doing in our own businesses. And um, before very long, this got picked up by people. We started being asked to go and speak at events for general businesses. And we were like, all right, fine, um, we'll do it. And uh, it just became a thing and we a passion. We love teaching it. It turned into a great business of its own right. Uh, that is email marketing heroes. And uh, so now what we love is over the years, we built these frameworks for psychologically charged emails for better conversions, emails that people like receiving and all of that. And we were just swapping notes, both using them in our own businesses. And so when the time came, we sort of had this ready-made accidental bunch of stuff that we picked up over the years to teach people. And that's kind of brought us to where we are now. So now we still perform, travel all over the world, performing our shows because we love doing that. And partly because of the whole point of this podcast is that one of the reasons we've built our business is to give us the freedom and flexibility to be able to have great businesses, make great money, but also be able to travel the world and earn money from performing, which is the thing that we would both feel a bit empty if we, if we lost that from our lives. So yeah, it's, um, it's really fulfilling. Love that. I, 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 and in your story, I, I think, you know, I think most of us love seeing performers in their element, right? Like seeing someone on stage or at, a, you know, some event or party or whatever, when you see that magician or whatever it is doing something that they have practiced through clearly through love of it. Like you, you it's, I, I don't think you'd ever see a magician like doing, doing card trick that they've clearly had to spend years studying to get that good. And they're like, I hate this stuff. Like I find it so boring. Like, <laughs> Like performers more than perhaps any other, like they, you have to love it. And I love the way that you describe that, the fact that actually yet you still have to do all the same stuff in business that everyone else does, <laughs> except that you're perhaps even less likely to have gone into to, to do it. So I, I do love that and, and how you ended up in there. Um, and, and we will dive into to email marketing and, uh, and so on. But like, 
now, as you say, 20 years ago uh, now, there were, there, there were so few options in terms of communication, particularly online. And so really our conversation 20 years ago would have been, why should we do email marketing when it's so easy to send leaflets? <laughs> Whereas now we have so many ch channels to communicate with customers, ranging from a variety of social uh, platforms some you know like it feels feels like one disappears every few months um you know how's your how's your vine account doing as are people still using clubhouse etc um but also tools that give us very direct contact like whatsapp and sms and uh and groups that we can create like on facebook and so on how relevant is email marketing right now 20 years on from then it's really interesting because the, the common denominator in all of those things, if you go sign up for a new Vine account, go try it, right? But if you go sign up for a new account on any new uh, newfangled um, social media platform or whatever, um, the thing that they all have in common is you need an email address yeah. to, uh, to register. And that's, that's not by accident. Like, that's not because that's what everyone's been doing. These tech companies are really smart. And the reason that... The reason that Facebook got really popular is because every three minutes, Zuckerberg was sending you an email telling you that somebody poked you and you had to go and find out who it was. Yeah. Like, and, and so the, moving people from where they are to where you want them to be is what the job of email is, right? So the fact that most people are now checking email on their phone, it's another app. It's another thing that's snuggled between TikTok and Tinder, right? It's, the, it's another app that's on your phone that people are checking. So when you think about email, let's not think, it's really important that we change the, the way we think about it from being the thing that people sit down at their desk and make a cup of tea and have got their jacket and their suit and their tie on and they're checking on a, on a, on a desktop computer to being another app that people are addicted to checking mm. because that's where they're getting their receipts from. Hey, you go to the local store. I bought an, a brand new mattress the other day in a store and um, they said, where shall I email the receipt? right? You, you, you buy anything online or you buy things in person. You buy a donut from that donut shop that you love. And they're like, do you want a paper receipt or do you want me to email it to you? So everybody knows that the hub of the communication for your everyday life is is still in your emails. And there's so many things that come along like, this will be the death of email. And we'll go, yeah, again, all right, sure, that's going to happen. Because it's all ingrained um, in, 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 into, how, into how we are and, and what we check. And people check their emails at weekends. People check their emails in the evenings. It's not a nine to five. It's not a thing where that is, is, is just for work. We have multiple email accounts that we, that we have for different things. So the only constant, the only thing that's constant in all of these platforms through the evolution of, of social media, through different platforms, through the different ways that e-commerce has changed, the consistency, the consistency is we get emails. We get emails for receipts. We get emails for updates. We get emails for offers. We get emails that teach us things. We get emails about news to learn things and expand and stay up to date. Email stays consistent and it just grows and grows and grows. I think one of the things that's worth bearing in mind is just where it fits. So if you imagine you've got sort of three strands of communication between you and a business or you and a brand that you follow, you and a, you know, a person that you follow, effectively, you've got social media in all its different forms, everything from Twitter X through to, um, you know, Instagram through Facebook pages and Facebook groups, you've got that kind of top level, then you've got email in the middle, and then you've got, um, and then you've got WhatsApp and SMS and stuff like that. 
like that at the bottom. And it's one of those things where the the social media thing is so fraught with risk and it's so um, fickle in terms of one change of algorithm means that suddenly that reel you post yesterday gets a thousand views and today gets 12 and it, it's that vast mm. there's the algorithm people can easily check in and out of it because the, the instagram is the place they go to look at lots of things and be and, and get lots of hits of dopamine very quickly and get get inspired in lots of different ways an sms is good if you want if you want me urgently drop me a text message or it'll call me. If it's not urgent, send me an email. Like WhatsApp and SMS are great. If somebody's come in, maybe you've got like a WhatsApp bot and it's designed to get, you know, that restaurant reservation sorted and make sure you've got everything you need and you know what time. It's a quick reminder. It's urgent, it's timely, and it's it's very quickly over and done with. But over any prolonged period of time, SMS is annoying as a method of hearing from anybody. And email is that perfect constant in the middle where between fickle, Am I anti social media at the top? And that sort of messes us all about in every sense, both as a creator and as a user. Mm. And uh, where you have to, you know, if somebody falls off your algorithm for a bit, you have to go and like actively find them on Instagram to see if you're even still following them anymore. And neither you nor the creator has any control over that, really. And SMS, which is too much, too soon, too fast, too regularly. Email, oh, my Alexa's just triggered. Um, email in the middle is this sort of perfect balance where you, you can hear from somebody by email every day if you wanted to like we email our subscribers every day we're not saying you have to but we do and our subscribers generally love it and so but if we were to text them every day that would be too much and if we were to um just use social media they would miss too much of it so emails that like perfect balance in the middle i really like that and i think i think particularly the way that you position email there as being so much sense. It's it's already got the footfall, right? In marketing terms, we we want eyeballs on the messages that we're putting out there, and we know that as as Kendi was describing, so much of our normal lives involve email anyway. Um, that it means that it's it, you want to be in front of those those eyeballs at the point. And I, I really like your point, Rob, around where it sits in terms of the communication um, uh, sort of spectrum. Yeah. It, it it does fulfill a really nice sweet spot whereas exactly as you say you can send someone an email every day and that's not that's not going to seem crazy like it would if you did it in text messages and and, and, and here's a really interesting thing mm. is th- i like to we like to think of email as like this this one point of contact that does a lot of stuff. So for example, if you, a lot of people think of it as a place you drive people to, that's fair enough. Like you get, you move people from your social channels, whether that's free, organic, social, SEO, all that stuff onto your email list. Why? Because you own that data. And, and we've been saying this for years, like, hey, if, you're, if your Facebook account gets suspended and you're trying very hard to get that re-engaged, which, which, which can get, take a long time and a lot of effort and sometimes not happen, you can't download your contacts and upload it to LinkedIn and you're still connected to those people. Whereas if I've got a, I don't know, an active campaign account and active campaign and I have a fallen out and they don't like me anymore and we're not pals, I can download my data and upload it into Keep or any another platform because I own that data. I can do something with it. And I actually, I can see names. I can, I know who these people are and I can actually contact them. But here's when it gets really interesting for us is it's not just one way. It's not just a place you connect with people. It's not just a place you collect people. It's also the thing that allows you to em- and empowers you and gives you the control and the certainty, I guess, as, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, to also affect everything else. So let's say you do put a new reel up on 
Instagram or on, uh, you put a new TikTok video up. You can drop an email to your email list going, hey, I've just posted this, here's the link, and now it feeds that. And let's say you want to send somebody, you've just put a new YouTube video up or your new podcast just went live. Again, you're pushing people. So it feeds those things back and gives you that boost, which then gets the algorithm excited, which gives you more reach. And But then you've got even more um even more options because one of the things that with a with a declining reach of eyeballs on all social media platforms they penalize all of us mm-hmm. if we attempt to take people off the platform so if we put a link in any post on any platform it goes we're going to just show that to slightly less people because we really want people to be stay stay around here you don't if you do that in email it, you don't get penalized in that way. As long as you've got good engagement monitoring and like you've got you know a good live list. And, and what's really nice is, yes, email can send people back to your socials, back to your blog posts, back to your other stuff, but also it can send people to that webinar that you're doing to give a product update or to launch a new product. Or you can send people to that offer page or to that sales consultation. So you can actually directly tell people where to go and link them to that. Again, something you can't. So rather than just seeing email as this thing that you're pushing everybody to, see it as like this two-directional relationship with every single thing. Bring people into that one place and push and pull, push and pull all the time. So it's the hub of the communication in a place where you actually own the data rather than risking your business. I mean, how many people have are like these influencers who built their entire business on, yeah. let's say, a TikTok platform or, or, or Instagram? You go, Twitter, if right? for whatever reason you get deep platforms, you're you're, you're going to be you know you're, you're going to have a problem. You're going to have to start again on a new platform. And that's that's a scary place to think about being. Yeah, completely agree. Cool, awesome, sold. Sold on why email is still relevant, and actually, you've kind of rekindled the love of email for me there. So that's that's awesome. Got it. Before I go deep into into some of the questions that I've got around how we might mind read the audience and what the approach that we would take to to make sure that we're doing a really good job using this channel, I know that there's going to be a term that comes up quite a bit in in what we're going to be talking about, and that's something that because I know that you guys use something that you call psych sequencing, um, uh, as in psych, as in the start of like psychology, uh, psych sequencing in your approach. So can you explain what that is and how it differentiates your method from traditional email marketing, and then perhaps we'll dive into how a business owner can start mind reading their audience yeah for sure so our entire approach is built on the fact that we want to get the biggest book for every every bang for every book that's what we want to do the biggest bang for every book in our business so we want to make sure that we are monetizing our subscriber list to the best we possibly can because our approach is predicated on this idea that we you don't need to build a list of everyone in your niche, which is the sort of underlying psychological attitude that everyone seems to have when they start building a list, right? So we, we always say subscribers are not like Pokemon. You don't have to catch them all. But the, the the sort of the mentality that people have around things like emailing too much and unsubscribe rates being terrifying and all those things is all based in, it's all, it has to be all rooted in the fact that if we're worried about people leaving our email list or being annoyed with us, that means that those people are scarce and therefore we need to collect lots of them. And that's really not our approach. Our approach is actually what you want to do is build a really small list of people who are actively engaged and desperate to be in your world and want to hear from you. And so what we want to do is we want to make the maximum amount of money from every subscriber that we've got based on that, because that allows us to have a relatively small list that allows us to buy buy what people would consider to be our big list. We want people to be able to 
maximize their engagement, their deliverability and all of that stuff, but still make a ton of money. And so the way that we do it is that we use this thing called psych sequencing, which basically is something that allows you to appeal to all of the different buyer types inside of your email list for every single offer, every single product that you have. So rather than having to have an exhaustive library full of things, you can have a relatively small number of offers or products, and you can wrap those products in different ways to appeal to different people on your list. So to put that into context, with one of our programs, our membership uh, about email marketing, we took that and we ran a sales campaign to that to our list. So to put that into context, it was six emails. If you've ever run an email campaign before, or you just know the concept, it will be everything you've already thought of. It's an email campaign, six emails, different elements of the thing pulled out in it. One of them's like why you should buy it. One of them's who it's good for. One of them's case studies and testimonials. One of them's social proof, that stuff. Um, one of them is like a, a urgency thing, that sort of thing. We sent that to our list and it made just over, I don't have the exact number, but it's it was 27 and, and something thousand dollars. Um, and so that's great. Happy times, whether that, whether you think that's an enormous number or a small number, doesn't matter. The number's irrelevant. It's the percentage that matters. 27 and a half grand-ish was the number. We then ran another bunch of campaigns that appealed to a different set of, each one appeals to like a different type of person in your email list. Um, and we'll unpack that as we go. And uh, so they go through a sequence of these campaigns, a psychologically uh, angled sequence of these campaigns. That's what psych sequencing basically comes down to. And when we totted it all up for the same time period and the same subscribers, other than some people were unsubscribing as we go, because every time you send an email, somebody unsubscribes. So the, the, the number was depleting, actually, if anything. Um, but for the same number of subscribers and the same offer in the same time period, by appealing to all of the five different buyer types in our email list with a sequence of campaigns for the same product, it ended up making over half a million dollars from the same product. So just to put those- I've actually, right I've actually just pulled up the exact numbers for you, Rob, just while you were talking, I just I cheated in the background. So just- yeah, um, I, I, the, the, so just the one sequence, what most people do is just sell a, send a sales sequence uh, of, of emails. Um, we That was $27,407. Yeah. Great. That's, that's a lovely amount of money. Appealing to all of these styles, the five buyer modes, as Rob said, same subscribers, same product, right? So we didn't have to invent a new product, didn't have to have a new like offer written, none of that stuff. And that was $541,496. So, but, so the difference is huge. Same product, same people, right? So the difference is an increase in 1,876%. Or to think of it another way, not doing it, doing what most people do, which is I'll send out a sales sequence and some people will buy that, I'll move on to the next thing. By doing that, what most people do we leave 94% of the money still in the list. And a, a good way... Because people say the money is in the list, right? They say the, the, the money is in the list. If the money is in the list, it's in the wrong damn place. It needs to be in your pocket. It needs to be in your bank account. It needs to be in investments and, and, and on holidays and lovely houses and lovely things you want to do with your family, your kids, and your, your partner. That's what it needs to be doing. So 94% of it is still locked in the list, like a bank account you're not allowed to touch. If you've ever, if you've as a, as a listener to this or a viewer to this, if you've ever experienced the difference between sending an email and an email campaign, and if you haven't, I urge you to do it. But if you have, if you've gone from sending like my weekly email newsletter to sending a campaign of emails, whether that's for because Black Friday is coming around or whether you're already sold on the idea of running email campaigns, whatever. Um, if you've ever done that before, 
you will be alarmed by the difference in sales from sending one email to say sending six emails over the course of six days or four days or whatever, right? Because you think, I've been telling people about this damn thing for three days now. Surely another day is not going to make a difference. But then you send a fourth day and close the offer down and suddenly there's this surge of people come in from nowhere. Uh, We had to hold one of our uh, customers' hands the other day as she was running this campaign. I'm making sales, but like not the floods of sales I expected to do. I was like, wait for the last day. Sent the last day's worth of emails. Floods of sales came in and she's oh it turns out you were right and so now imagine the difference between taking one campaign of emails and then stretching that out to become say four or five campaigns worth of emails that all attack this Mm -hmm. from a different angle what you're doing then is compounding that result from you know the difference between one campaign and a campaign sorry one email and a campaign of emails to four campaigns worth of emails and that the compound effect we call it compounding emails the compound effect of that is astronomically it means you don't end up multiplying the results by four or five it, that the number we just gave you there is in our case not typical 18. but in our case was an 1800 percent increase in sales from one one campaign to five yeah amazing and I, I and i love that stark difference in the two approaches what i want to dive into is um firstly I, i'm gonna ask some questions to uh, understand the numbers so that people can get a sense of what are we talking like what size of list needs to exist because i think that's one of the concerns that most people have is they think their list is too small for this to work and then the second thing i want to dive into is how you can end up creating those kinds of campaigns because i think for a lot of people it's like oh it's a lot of work just to create one campaign and particularly a good one creating more four or five seems more work much harder how am i ever going to find the time to do it even though you might argue you're going to get 18 times the results of course you could do it you should do it so i want to dive into that so before before i dive into the the how and how long it takes what kind of when you when you said before like it's not about having a massive list and just you know letting the numbers do the work instead it's about having that really engaged audience where you're speaking to the right people and and so on what kind of percentages would you be looking for in terms of percentage of the list become customers like in those examples where you end up with half a million sales what percentage conversion of uh, of audience size are we looking at there well i think what's really interesting people expect because we you know our brand is email marketing heroes we've got a podcast the email marketing show like we're known as you know the email marketing people and they expect us therefore to have this whopper Mm of an email list. They think we've got to have gazillions of people. And we don't for this very reason of it's all about focusing on keeping the people engaged, having the right people, because um, a lot of people have an, a lead magnet, a way of getting onto your email list, some attractive, shiny thing that appeals to everybody. You don't want that. The thing you want is you want to have a lead magnet, a thing that attracts people on your email list who are prospects for the product. And if they're not prospects for the product, you don't want them on the email list because they're never going to buy from you. They're a cost to you. So, for example, um, this we so we basically generated just over one point two million US dollars. We sell in dollars. Um, one point just over one point two million US dollars from a live broadcastable list of v- around five thousand subscribers. That is it. 5,000 people, just over $1.2 million. Why is that possible? It's possible because we're all about getting the right people on the email on the email list, but also understanding that people, one, people buy for different reasons, mm-hmm. but also they buy different things for different reasons. 
And that's, that's when it gets more complicated. But then you add on. So, for example, I might buy something like I, I really like um, designer aftershave. So I might spend a few hundred to a thousand dollars on a fancy aftershave, whereas Rob will be like, are you crazy? Yeah. And the answer is probably yes, probably I am. But there, therefore, but at the same time, Rob will renew and get a brand new MacBook every year, even if it's not broken. His tradition is he buys a new MacBook every year. And I think he's crazy. And we are, there are some things that we'll buy on a discount and some sometimes we won't. Sometimes we'll buy because of status. So sometimes we won't for different categories and different types of stuff. Some people, for example, um, I was a person who never saw the value in staying in fancy hotels ever. Never saw the value of staying in fancy hotels. I was like, man, I just get there to sleep. And then the rest of the time I'm out in the city or in the whatever. But not that long ago, probably six months ago, I took my air miles on my Amex and I traded them for a fancy hotel stay in London. And now I really like staying in fancy hotels. (laughs) But before that didn't have any any value to me at all. Rob's always valued traveling in style. So he he likes to travel business class, whereas I never enjoyed that until I tested it. Of course, now I think that's a really great idea. So we'll, we'll all... Will all change us, and, and the thing is, our our thing that we attach value to, and our on our rationale for buying, changes over time, and it changes based on on what it is that we're buying, and and, and it changes um, on category as well. So, what we have to do is, what we have to do is realize that in our email list, we've got people who buy the thing we sell, and they buy it at different times for different reasons. So to show up and say, hey, I'm going to just make this really urgent. Well, that's okay. Urgency is one thing. And it's one reason some people buy, or I'm going to do a discount. So people always go, oh, well, to me, as so many e-commerce businesses in particular go, all they do is they send emails with site-wide 20% off, site-wide 30% off, site, you know, and it's just the same thing every day, week in, week out. The problem is they're only appealing to people who act because of discounts. Whereas some people, we find actually our highest converting things are not discounts. Our highest converting things are actually bonuses. If you can get more for the same price, there's so much built into that. Like, hey, if you enroll in our program this week, in the next 24 hours, in the next however long, you'll also get this really cool high value thing that's going to really help you with something else. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. That's really, really appealing. So I think f- falling back into this thing of going, I'm only going to sell based on one. And yeah, we're going to get into this whole, how do you write all these types of sequences and not get overwhelmed? Actually, we've got a really simple method for not getting overwhelmed by this. We'll just simplify it right down because we too have to write these and uh, and not get overwhelmed but that's that's how this works it just has to be the right list the right people and making sure that we're approaching them and this is more important than it's ever been the reason it's more important to generate the most amount of sales and conversions and profit from your email list than it's ever been is because the cost of everything is increasing the cost of traffic is increasing. The cost of getting an email subscriber or getting that free trial or getting that whatever is has never, it never goes down. Right. You never go to your Facebook ads and go, oh, it's, it's getting, it's cheaper than it was two years ago. Words that were never said, right? Yep. Why? 
because demand for for those for those eyeballs is increasing. The costs for all organizations is going up because the costs of the world are going up. Your email marketing system is having to put its prices up because the cost of labor is going up. Everything's going up. So what do we have to do? Well, we have to make more from the people we do attract. Gone are, long gone are the days where we go, well, if we could try and make a dollar per subscriber each month, that would be good. You're going to be dead in the water very soon. Very, very soon, that's going to be gone. So we have that's why we have to focus on making more from the people we do have on the email list. Cool. Love that. And so very, very quickly, like on those numbers, you said we're like a list of 5,000 subscribers, 1.2 million US dollars in revenue on a price point of what? Like, because I think that's one of the challenges some people have around this is, oh, well, you know, my product's a bit different because it's high end, low end, like whatever. Like in that example, what's the kind of price point? Yeah, so in our specific case, in that example, our sort of core thing is a membership. It's between, actually at the time, it would have been about, um, because obviously you do price increases and stuff like that, probably about $79 a month if I I have to throw my mind back to about where we were. So it was a subscription program, 79 bucks a month. We weren't selling anything massively expensive to get to those numbers. and, uh, and, but we've seen people do this. Our clients do this with, there's a guy who's like one of the world's leading authorities on cross stitch. Uh, and he's got a cross stitch magazine, which I think is $17 a month. Uh, and he, again, just about maximizing money from every sales we've got people. And, and on the, on the other end of that, we've got people, I'm trying to think of the most high ticket thing, uh, that we've got, but we've got people who sell stuff that, you know, it's tens of thousands of dollars too. Um, the numbers don't really matter on, on the other end of that. We've got, I was trying to think of our most high ticket person, but we've got people who sell stuff that's tens of thousands of dollars, uh, and everything in between. Yeah. So the, the, the specific numbers don't matter. It's for us, email marketing is a really we're not bright mathematical people at all. We don't have like a we don't have a, a maths uh, brain cell between us. But we re- what the bit we're really good at is fine tuning the economics of email marketing. Right, most of the time, marketing a lot of the time is an economics problem to do with acquisition and and um, and conversion and stuff. And we're very good at fine tuning yeah. those bits to work so that regardless of what you sell, who you sell it to, or how much it is, this thing balances out really nicely. Nice. And I, I want to dive into that because clearly you guys. Are hot on that like the numbers that you've just shared show that it's like <laughs> even if i apply some assumptions we're talking it's got to be somewhere between 10 up to 30 percent kind of conversion of your subscriber list which yeah. is completely unheard of right like most people would be happy with 30 percent open rate never mind sort of getting up to that kind of territory in terms of conversion of those customers so that's that's amazing by anyone's standard so let's dive into the the how because I think when you guys talk about, oh, well, you know, there's, there's different people, is, I mean, there's different people generally, but then different people in your list, and you've got to dial into what is it that, that they like and, uh, you know, what, what attracts them and so on, and then create different campaigns. I think quite quickly, as, you, uh, as I think, you know, Kendi, you were saying, like, it can become overwhelming. So how can a business owner like start to mind read their audience to work out like, okay, these people think like this, these people think like this, and as a result, I'm going to do a campaign that speaks in this particular way. Like, how do they start to do that? I think the first thing that the big mistake that we see in a lot of the teachings that we've all received through common wisdom, which is usually just badly um, understood, regurgitated rubbish, honestly, about what, what sounds nice, is that what we have to do is when someone joins our email list, when we get them on, we want to nurture them, we want, and then we want to get them to a point where they're ready to buy. 
And that sounds lovely. It's a very romantic idea of what selling and email marketing is. Unfortunately, the economics of that don't work. So we're fundamentally flawed from day zero on that thinking. Because in reality, one of the types of people we've got on our email list is the person who's joined, and you'll have done this. Think about how many times you've joined someone's email list, have, have opted into a discount code, a, a coupon, a, um, a lead magnet, because you're like, I need to know what this person's got for sale because I need to solve this problem right now. And most email marketing, 99.9% of email marketing doesn't cater for that. What it does is what we call nurturing people to death. We get, the nurturing gets people, it gets in the way of those people who are the most ready to buy. I like to think of it as um, someone's got their, uh, you've, imagine um, you've got somebody who's got their leg hanging off and there's blood splurting all over the walls and they hop into the emergency room. They hop into A&E at the hospital and um, they go, doctor, I need a doctor. And the doctor comes over. You don't want the doctor to sit you down and tell you, how they started to be, why they chose to become a medical professional. And, and this is where I studied. You're like, I don't give a toss, man. I'm bleeding to death. That's what most people are doing with their email marketing. They are taking the person who has an urgent problem and they believe you might have the solution because of any preconceived content they've seen from you, however they ended up in your world, and they, they're killing them off. They're allowing them to bleed out, and we don't want to do that. So we want to make sure that the very first thing we do is we offer a very short six-email, six-day kind of sales campaign, direct sales campaign that says, hey, this welcome to our world, but also here's what I've got. If you really need urgent uh, urgent solution for this now, here's what you can buy. What that does is two things. One, it solves the, most, the people with the money in their hand going, hey, can, can I have that thing? It says, yes. And that's really good for cash flow in our businesses. Hey, cash flow is like one of the most important things for us as small businesses, unless you're VC'd or, you know, or backed in some way, you've got deep pockets. Grand. The other thing it does, which is beautiful, is by telling people from the get-go, hey, I've got this thing for sale and this is the price. It tells them, I sell things when, I'm on, when you're on this email list. If you are just around to get blind value, this is not the place for you, and you can leave straight away. You don't want somebody to get too far into your lab before, so they can't see the door. You want them to just take a step in and go, sorry, I've come to the wrong room, and be able to, to leave. That's cool. That's totally fine, and we encourage people to do that. And what's really beautiful about this is by telling people the, the regular, proper price and what's included in your main offer from the beginning, what you are doing is you are legitimizing any offers you make in the future. If the first thing I see on your when I join your email list is, hey, my main program is 50% off, I don't believe you've ever sold it for 100%. I think you're using marketing at me. And nobody wants to be marketed at. So we're going to legitimize the offer to begin with. That's, the, that's a really important piece of the puzzle. So the first thing we're going to do is a direct sales sequence. And if you're listening or watching this right now, here's something I want you to do. Um, I want you to write down the letter S, right? I want you to write down the letter S. Put it in your notebook, in your phone. Um, 
write it on your arm like you're a child at school again, um, on your forehead. That will be great. A letter S. We're going to build this up. So that's the first thing we're going to do. The S is for a sales sequence. That's the very f- first thing we're going to do. And here's what we're going to do. And I'll, I'll let Rob um, speak. I promise I'm going to take the, 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 the tape off Rob's mouth in a second and let him talk. Sorry, mate. Um, but here's the, here's the really important thing. You're going to write the sales sequence and then you're going to send it out to your email list. You're not going to wait until you've done the rest of what we're going to talk about. You're going to write it and get the instant gratification and results, and by that I mean sales, from sending it out live. And then, so you're going to get sales immediately from it. And then you're going to put it into your automation system so that every new person who comes in, they also get to go through it. So you get instant sales today from doing the work, but you are also building an asset which you're going to make sales from every single day for the rest of forever. We wrote our sales sequence three and a half years ago. And apart from two subject lines, which we tweaked a little bit to be, you know, more modern or whatever, we've not done anything with them. And they make us sales every single day. So you're getting instant gratification and you're creating this asset. So you never need to do it again. Rather than emails that you send and are spent, you've got an asset, right? So that's really important. We want to build assets in our business which serve us going, going forward. Now, so we've got a sales sequence. That's what the S is. Now, for. of course, your subscribers don't know they're in a sales sequence. They know, they're, they, know they opted in and they're receiving emails. So those two things go hand in hand. Um, but they don't know they've come to the end of a sales sequence. They're about to go into the next thing. But what we then do is we then give them a, what we call a content-led sales sequence. So one of the big questions we get a lot is how do I balance the sort of free value content giving bit of my email with my sales bit? And our answer is... you. You sort of just don't. You wrap content into the sales process and never send, almost never send content for content's sake. The content is always leading people towards buying from something. So what we do is we run a content-led sales campaign. We've got loads of them. We give all of our campaign, campaigns stupid names. So you will hear us refer to them over the next little bit. There's one called a golden cloak, one called a daisy chain, one called a phantom. Basically, what it means is that in the first set of emails in this particular campaign, rather than saying, I've got a thing, go and check out the sales page for it or go and book a call or you know, go and book a demo, instead you send people to what looks like ostensibly is just a piece of content and it is uh, like a video a worksheet uh, videos are our favorite but a video a worksheet something they can go and look at and when they get there based on how they engage with that piece of content so if let's imagine it's a six minute video of you on your phone just recording a, a video and then sticking it on a page if they watch more than half of that video, say, so three minutes and 20 seconds of the video, then what we're going to do is we're going to pull them out of that content sequence and we're going to put them into the sales part of the content-led campaign. So a campaign has sequences within it, which is a string of emails. So we have a bunch of emails to get them to go and watch the content. As soon as they've watched enough of the content that we think they understand this now, we'll pull them out of that. We'll put them into a sales sequence that's designed to follow up with them based on, we have this principle, because therefore, because you watch this video, we think you'll probably be interested in, in this offer go and buy it but it's the same product that was in the sales sequence the difference is that the sales pitch was now cloaked with a bit of content what's beautiful about this is it does three things one it proves you can help people by actually helping them like they actually get some help and benefit from the free from the free piece of content they understand something now they didn't before or they know what to do now and they didn't before uh that's the first nice thing secondly if they never click to engage with that piece of content they never know there was an offer Right, you've just sent them. Let's say, let's say there's four emails in that in that content sequence within the campaign. They never get the sales sequence; they just get the content one. If they are busy or just not interested in that particular angle you've pulled out for that piece of content, 
they'll just never click. They'll never engage. They'll just go, oh, Alexis is a nice guy. He's sending me this cool free content. That's great. They'll never see the pitch. And what's really nice about it is you can then stack loads of those together if you wanted to just by pulling out different things. So we might have one piece of content that talks about the difference between a single email and an email campaign. Great. That'll appeal to some people. But we might have another uh, video, which is about um, uh, the, the why subject lines aren't as important as everyone thinks they are, which is one of our approaches. So people will go, and, oh, that's interesting. I'll go and watch that. So they go and watch the video. They've learned something they didn't know before. And because they've engaged with that, we'll now sell them something to do with our training from a point of view of how we what we do instead of subject lines. Great. So you could put loads of those in an order. And from your list's point of view, largely speaking, you're just sending them great content all the time. But when they engage with it, it, it swings in with the sales pitch for just the right people from just the right angle because selling your product overall we're going to do that in the sales sequence that kennedy talked about but continually doing that for an extended period of time is quite hard to just constantly talk about the entire thing in its entirety but it's quite easy to pull one piece out and just talk about that or pull another piece out and just talk about that and this content-led thing is a really great way of doing it so the three really good things about that so write down c so you've got s c so c for content-led sales campaign is what you want to do next the next piece of this puzzle is to do something which you might think, well, I already do that in my sales page or my sales material. But what we're going to do, instead of making this one paragraph in a sales email or an element of a sales page, and we're really going to put a, shine a spotlight on it, and we're going to really raise it up. And that is what we call an objection handling sequence. That's the next letter of, of this system. So you've got an S, a C, and an O now for objection. And all we're going to do, it's really simple. We're going to reach out and say, hey, I've noticed you've be, we've been telling you about this thing and you joined our list. You, you're obviously interested in this topic, this subject matter, this area. I've been telling you about this cool thing. I, and I really think my program or my, my solution is going to help you with that. I, I'm just curious to, he, to hear why it is uh, you've, not, you've not joined the program yet. I'd love to understand that. And what we do mostly, there's a few different ways of doing this. The most popular and the way we like to do it the most is we send them to a really simple survey, which has like six of the major reasons that somebody may not have joined your program. They might feel like they can't afford it, or they they might have actually just missed missed the message. You know, they might have missed the memo. Oh, I don't know what that thing is because people are busy. And that's one of our most chosen options, actually, is I don't know what email hero blueprint is. Yeah, I, I, can you tell me what it is? And then what we're going to do is depending on their choice in that survey, we're going to take them to a different thank you page afterwards, which has maybe a video or something on it, which is, is you saying, hey, I totally understand and then handles that objection. We could talk about the nuance of doing that maybe some other time, but you're going to handle that objection really in a really proactive way. And then we're going to tag them in our email system with what their choice was and follow up by email based on that objection as well. So now we've got an objection handling campaign. That means you're going to ask what that objection is and you're going to handle that objection. Basically turn their objection into the reason why they should. That's the key with objections. We're not going to handle the objection. We're going to actually make that the reason that they should do the thing. And that's a really important thing. The final thing, and I'm just going to just uh, go straight through it. So that's the O. The next one is risk reversal. And that is how do you uh, reverse or reduce the risk of doing what it is that you do? You might be thinking, well, I already have my main offer is already a trial. Yep. Well, if that hasn't worked so far, we need a different type of risk reversal. So that might be at the minute you've got a um, a dollar trial, you might go, well, actually, I'm going to do something else. I'm going to allow them to come in and use, and it might be a dollar 14 day trial. Well, why don't you do a dollar 60 day trial? Because at this point, you're now talking to people who've already said no. Yeah. 
They've already not they're already inactive so that could be giving people like we have an open day we which where, where people can come and and check out the thing for free uh, or sample the thing it could be a sample it could be you take an element splinter it out and say hey just buy this little bit for a way less commitment either there's no ongoing commitment or it's a lower price and just try that and see what you think oh now you like that thing. You see our stuff is good. Now we're going to upgrade you. So in the world of SaaS, which I know is, is, is a world that you live in, it might be that there's one element of your entire SaaS system. You go, I'm going to just give them that. A great example of this is what HubSpot did. You know, they were, rather than trying just to sell people on this big package of really, you know, involved, high-end, very complex, very advanced CRM and email marketing, they said, you know what, why don't we make it some of the CRM element is free. People get in and they go, oh, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever yeah. seen in my life. I want to use it. That's how they built their business. Yeah. Um, how do we how do we reduce the risk in, in dramatic ways? So that's the next letter, R for risk reversal. So you've got S-C-O-R and we've got one final element that we're going to speak the to. The final bit is E for engagement. So it spells the word score, as you now know. Um, and basically what that means is that we have uh, this, what we call our score method. It's how we implement psych sequencing. It's basically, um, th this fits in a number of places. First of all, if you've got a welcome sequence when people first join your list, that's engagement driven. We have one called the getting to know you sequence. It's four emails at the start of our email engine. That goes there. Great. Um, you want to have some sort of revival campaign, which is watching for people's general um, engagement levels and leaping on them if they seem to fall asleep and to try and wake them up or delete them if they don't re-engage. We have a thing called the tell me more campaign. If somebody clicks to look at your core offer say three times in 60 days those numbers are changeable but that's what ours are then we sort of see them as active and uh, with intent mm. so we leap on them with our tell me more campaign we take them out of whatever else they're doing and they go into that instead and what this means is and then obviously your general day-to-day -day, weekly email daily email three times a week email whatever your general email is that's engagement that's that, that long-term nurture that everyone else thinks about and most people think needs to go first actually needs to go last because what this has enabled us to do is basically have this little automated system that we run live campaign by campaign first to our existing audience and then automate. And again, we built ours three years ago and we haven't touched it really apart from the little tweaks here and there for subject lines and things. But largely speaking, what now happens is you take your best marketing, your most compelling marketing, uh, and put it first because what most people do is you join their list today and tomorrow you, you receive what e whatever email they're sending tomorrow. And then following day, you receive whatever email they're sending that day. And the day after that, you receive whatever email they're sending that day. So let's imagine that happens for five days. What are the chances of me subscribing to your list? And by chance, the next five emails you send me are going to be the best, most optimized, high converting emails you've ever written in your life. Those chances are beyond zero. You've got more chance of winning the lottery five days in a row, haven't you? It's not even on every day. Yeah. So, but why do people do it? Everyone does it. So we say, take all of your best marketing, say, let's say 60 days worth of campaigns and have that running uh, automated for every new subscriber, which is like having your best launch running 365 mm -hmm. days of the year. We make 80% of the people who ever buy from us do it in that first 60 day window. And if people don't mm -hmm. buy in that 60 day window, they're less than 5% likely to ever buy from us going forward. That's what our data has shown. And so we put this in place as a one-time thing. And now if you've got a bunch of stuff on your plate, like running your business and being everywhere and being stressed and delivering the product and building your audience and doing marketing, we've just removed all the marketing from the plate. 
we don't really, for the last right. year, we've been very lazy. We've been focused on other sort of strategic growth things that we find enjoyable rather than, and partnerships and stuff like that, rather than on doing any marketing, because we never sit and go, well, where does our next sale come from? I'll tell you what it's going to come from. It's going to come from our engine and it will be tomorrow or, t or today. Like, a hundred percent of the time, even on Christmas day, we send an email to our general broadcast list, which has happy holidays type sentiment. And there was one uh, year I was at my girlfriend's mum's house. Kennedy was at his girlfriend's mum's house. And we're both just in, you know, enjoying a lovely Christmas dinner. And we see sales come in. Like we haven't sold anything today. Well, of course we haven't, but the engine, somebody joined our list four days ago. They've just gone into our sales engine and, and mm -hmm. they're, they're not getting our current broadcast. They're getting the, our most optimized marketing. Love that. Love that. And I think that that freedom that it creates when as a business owner, uh, you know, as a leader, you're you're not having to rely on the thing, the thing that you're doing next to make the money. I think having that set up, having the systems like, you know, often in this podcast, we'll talk about systemizing processes of doing what works and making sure it's happening consistently. And I think you've made it really clear and simplified beautifully how you can set that up in your email marketing so that whenever you're getting a subscriber you're you're managing to convert them and as you say like within 60 days and uh, as a result the only challenge becomes continuing to uh, send leads into into that email marketing box I, I love what you said there alexis because i've never really thought of it this way but you're exactly bang on and you know as usual with everything you, you say which is you're not now starting from zero again you're not like the starving cave person waking up that morning going I've got to go and chase some food to feed my family today. You don't have that. We don't have that. And I guess we now take this for granted because we've had it running for such a long time and we see people implementing it, you know, every single day through our programs. But we're not having that because as Rob said, you, you, you're not going, where does the sale come from? And what's really nice, I like to think of our business as having, as like a plate with basically three things on. All we've got to do is three things, essentially. One is get leads. Mm -hmm. Great. Secondly, we've got to convert the leads. That's marketing and sales. And thirdly, we've got to deliver. We've got to deliver and develop the program, the platform, the, the product or service. Great. If you implement this system, this score engine in your business, you remove one third of the things off your plate completely. And then you get to decide, do I want to spend that time going and chasing down more leads? You could. So one of the things that Rob and I spend some of that time on is how do we do stuff that brings more people in the front? And what's really nice about doing that with this system in place is we can do that more confidently because we know we put X people in the front and the system, the score engine, produces this amount of return. And it does it within 60 days. So you don't have to bankroll and cash flow that being out of pocket for very long at all, which is quite a beautiful thing. And we could spend some of that time delivering more programs or improving the program because the delivery and the uh, and and the and the producing of the content and the and the programs itself and the product that's all still got to be done. And you could spend what we encourage you to do is spend is don't fill the that third that you've just taken off your plate. Don't fill it with getting more leads and delivering more programs. Right. Also, put a slice of that in for taking some time off. Mm. Take, put, take some of that 
that third and spend it with your partner or um, spend it on Tinder or spend it on um, on your relationship with your family, your friends and 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 having meaningful relationships and doing the things you want to do and the reason that you're in this game of being an entrepreneur anyway. So don't be tempted once you've taken that third off your plate, don't be tempted to fill it up with more work stuff that creates more stress because you feel like you need to be in the grind. The reason we're here having this conversation on this podcast today is because I think we're in a world where a bunch of people who don't want to just keep filling the plate up. Yeah, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. And I think, um, yeah, ult- ultimately, as business leaders, as, as entrepreneurs, etc., we'll always find more things you can do. Like it, it, I often think like when um, when I'm sometimes asked by my wife like oh it's is you know is there work um, you know if you've got work that you're you're going to do or you know need to do or whatever it's like there's always work I can do the yeah. the choice is <laughs> whether I do or not and actually ideally putting myself in a in the position in the business where I can choose and I think that this is a great <laughs> example where when you put your email marketing when you, and you set it up with the score engine in the way that you've described you then have choice. You have choice of whether you further optimize what you're doing, whether you improve your products and services, whether you do lead generation, or whether you take Christmas off and just watch the payments come in. Rob Kennedy, it's been awesome having you on the show. Uh, Where can our listeners find you and your resources online? And I'd highly recommend they sign up for, of course, uh, your email subscription list so that they can experience what it's like to be on the other end of it uh, and learn from it as well. Where's the best place for them to do that? Yeah, for sure. There's a couple of things. First of all, uh, if you like podcasts, which I'm guessing you do, uh, we have our podcast. It's called The Email Marketing Show. It's a new episode every Wednesday. It's usually just us chatting irreverently about random things to do with email marketing. Um, Sometimes we have a special guest on as well. Uh, So just go to wherever you get your podcasts from and search for The Email Marketing Show. Uh, Again, it's every Wednesday. We also have a free Facebook community, which we built to support the podcast, really, so people can take the stuff we talk about and email marketing in general and talk about that inside the Facebook group. It's thousands of business owners all talking about how does this stuff apply to me so it's called wait for it the email marketing show community uh because we're not very good at naming things nice. uh, so if you go to facebook and search for the email marketing show community you'll be able to request to join that we'll get you added into the group and uh, it's a really really great vibe in there and of course they've got to head over to your website uh, to to go sign up for your email list surely like uh, I mean, that, that, that's the thing that I, not only do I want to sign up to like learn things from you, I want to sign up so I can like look at exactly how you've implemented that sales sequence and then the, <laughs> and then the con- content wrapped around sales and the objection handling and so on. Like, I want to see it, right? Yeah, totally. You could do that over at emailmarketingheroes.com, emailmarketingheroes.com. But if you did want to go in that Facebook group, as you join the Facebook group, the email marketing show community one, the... um on the way in, you you have the option. You don't have to. You have the option of giving us your email address. And again, that will get you onto our email list. So you can do it either through the website or, or through that group. Of course, there's a smart way in which you get into your email marketing list. Great work, guys. Love that. Thank you so much uh, for, for sharing, Rob and Kennedy. It's been absolutely awesome. Um, now, for, for everyone listening, like we in this episode, we've gone deep into email marketing specifically. Um, but one thing I know for sure is that uh, if you do this once, like send out one email or uh, work out your marketing once and don't uh, 
do it again. You're not consistent. You don't get the benefit. You don't get the results. And if you uh, know that you and your team need to be more consistent with your marketing, uh, then do check out. We've got a, a um, uh, Paddy and I have written a, a 32 page guide on how to systemize your marketing. So with uh, Rob and Kennedy's structure of how you can sort out your email marketing and automate that and get your 60 days awesome. Like that's what you need there. And then for all the other stuff around it, your campaigns and so on, uh, systemize that, get your processes in place so that the things that work, uh, that you've got your team able to do that consistently. Um, it, that guide also includes a load of process templates you can use as a starting point, uh, starting point, including some specific checklists from marketing experts on how to do things like create six months of content in 60 minutes, generate stress-free leads via LinkedIn, perhaps that can go to your email marketing list, and also how to test out ads to find out what works. You can find out more and get access for free at airmanual.link forward slash E-M-C. That's E for Echo, M for Mike, C for Charlie. Um, otherwise, uh, one final thing before you go, if you found today's content valuable, take a minute to hit the like button, subscribe, leave a review, do all three, send it, share it on social media, tag Rob Kennedy and myself in. We'd really appreciate it. It gives the episode more visibility, helps more people, and would really, really appreciate it. So uh, give you a moment to do that. Yes, done that now. Good. I'll wait a little bit longer so you can do another. <laughs> like, subscribe, etc. Done. Fantastic. Excellent. In which case, thank you so much for joining us. Rob Kennedy, thank you again. Otherwise, until next time, have fun. <laughs>